solution to the alternative. The alternative. questions virtual reality. Sponsored by ISEDN.org. Is there life beyond the big four search engines? Are webmasters spending more than they need to? Or leaving money on the table? What opportunities exist on the margins? Spend the next hour exploring paid and free alternatives to the major search engines. Now, step into the alternative with your host, Jim Hedler. Well, welcome to The Alternative. This is Dave Davies on Webmaster Radio. Our show is sponsored by the ISEDN.org. Jim Hedger will be joining us, uh, or I guess not joining me, uh, in about uh, about five minutes. The show is uh, a little oddly structured. I'm going to be uh, on for the first five minutes here solo. Uh, and then Jim Hedger was kind enough uh, and is all currently on an airplane. Uh, he is uh, pre-taped the rest of the show, so we'll be passing it off to uh to him in just a few minutes here for a couple of uh really interesting and uh and great interviews. Um but in the meantime there are a few things that I thought might be uh of some interest to our uh to our listeners here. Um the first one for those of you who follow SEO uh contests and I imagine that there are quite a few of you out there. Um there's a new contest launching. Uh the site is at rankrace.com. I've just entered it as of this morning and they're looking for a uh, for about 50, somewhere between 50 and 100 different contestants. Uh, of course, all the different rules uh, involving it are uh, still to be sort of released to us. They're going to be re- releasing that um, to all of us at once, so exactly what the details are. But essentially, uh, you'll be given a, a free domain, a free site, uh, and the winner uh, gets to keep five of the winning, uh, five of the good websites that were entered in there. So uh, not a bad one, and it's just going to be interesting to, uh, to see who wins that. So good luck to all of you, but uh, I'm in there, so not too much luck. Um, on a slightly aside, there has been a divorce uh, in the industry here. Uh, and in fact, the divorce occurred over at Mozilla. Uh, they have announced that they will be separating the Thunderbird product uh, into a sort of separate corporate entity uh, in order to keep their focus um, on Firefox. Uh, as you know, to to really just keep it as as high as it needs to be, um, and obviously they're starting to make some great uh, great headway in their their uh, market share of the browser um, browser market. So um, this should prove to be a, a very very interesting move uh, on the part of Mozilla. I look forward to seeing what's happening. Um, if the, for those of you who may not at this point use Firefox as your primary browser. Um, I've said it before, I'll say it again, uh, it should be the official browser of SEOs. There's a ton of great extensions, so go out, download it, uh, take a peek, and with this separation, it looks like uh, there's going to be some, some really interesting uh, focus put on it, and that can only lead to even better enhancements of, uh, of the browser. So um, that was just uh, an interesting little tidbit that came out from Mozilla. Um, now, I'm going to have to pass this over to Jim in, uh, in just about a minute, but just to give you an idea for what you're, uh, what you're up for in the rest of the show, after we come back from the commercial break here, uh, Jim is going to be chatting with a group of kids uh, on a trolley who are on a scavenger hunt. Now, I myself have not heard this interview yet. I know it's going to be interesting. We all know Jim, uh, so you can count on, uh, on a bit of the unexpected there. Uh, so I would highly recommend to stay tuned for that. I certainly know I will be. And then after that, he's got Richard Zwicky from Inquisit. Uh, that is always going uh, an interesting interview. And 
Richard and I will be speaking at SES in San Jose on the same panel on personalization. So I look forward to hearing what he has to say here today. So uh, I am going to pass you off to a brief uh, commercial break, and then we'll be coming back with Jim Hedger. Uh, But while he's on a plane right now, I'm just going to... And we all should just mentally wish him luck. In the past year, he's been on two planes that have decompressed in the air. So uh, good luck to Jim. Hope you land okay this time, buddy. And, uh, yeah, now we have to head off. We have to pay some bills. And uh, enjoy the rest of the show. The Alternative on WebmasterRadio.fm. We'll be back after this short commercial break. Hey, what are you reading? Revenue Magazine. It keeps me up to date on everything in performance marketing. Yeah, I get all my information online. (laughs) I don't see a computer next to your boogie board there. Well, I've got a regular magazine here. (laughs) Revenue Magazine is the only hard copy magazine that covers affiliate marketing techniques, search technologies, online fraud prevention, and interactive advertising, branding, and marketing. My magazine's got pictures. Revenue Magazine has everything for online marketers, affiliates, merchants, agencies, and networks. And you can read previous issues blogs and more at revenuetoday.com mine's got a centerfold revenue magazine the performance marketing standard for more information go to revenuetoday.com a rose by any other name would still be the same move over shakespeare you need to differentiate yourself from your competition do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of jupiter media the nhl and lionsgate films among others moniker.com is the most secure ICANN accredited register on the planet offering you domain registration hosting domain sales and acquisition services wrap that up with 24 7 support that's your winning combination m-o-n-i-k-e-r Com. More than a name. Has anyone seen Brian? He needs to do blog buzz. Oh my god! What did he say? His Excellency Rascal the Hutt is disappointed why you did not make him the host of Blog Buzz. But the name of the show is Blog Buzz. Oh. His Excellency will be leaving now. Blog Buzz, on demand, five times a week. Only on webmasterradio.fm. And now, transport back into the alternative on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host, Jim Hedger. Hey, welcome back to the alternative. Um... Thursday, August the 2nd, and it's, uh, it's kind of like a midst the day here on The Alternative. Uh, first things first, yesterday, August 1st, was the uh, first anniversary of my company, Markland Media, and I just want to say thanks to anyone we've done business with, anyone who supported us. It's been a great year. We're, uh, myself and my business partner, Andy Carruthers, are looking forward to uh, a number more years working in this space, but uh, this was our first anniversary, and it's been a, an amazing year. So I'm in Chicago right now. I'm, in Ch- I'm attending the AdTech conference. And this is a great city. You meet, you meet some of the most amazing people in this town. And so I was riding a trolley bus trying to get down to Navy Pier where the, where the convention's being held. And I, I, had a, I had a really weird experience. I was sort of, you know, being a reporter, I eavesdrop. I, sorry, guys, I can't help it. It just sort of happens that way. It's an occupational hazard. And there was a bunch of kids on the bus, and they were talking. They were trying to get on the radio. I saw this one kid using her cell phone trying to dial every radio station in the Chicago area, just desperately trying to get on the radio. So I, I watched this happen for a few minutes, and, um, 
you know, I decided to pipe up. I, I have this radio show on, on webmasterradio.fm, and I, I, I told the, the kids and, and their counselor that we, we had the show, and as it turns out, they were on a scavenger hunt. They were trying to, one of the, one of the things they had to do was get on the radio. So I thought, heck, this would be a lot of fun. So we have Jeff Stone. He's one of the camp counselors. Uh, the camp is called the Underground Camp. It's uh, a camp for, well, well, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about the camp? Sure. The camp is for 8th and ninth graders. It's in Chicago. Uh, it's associated with the Francis Parker School. I'm a teacher there. And my friend Dwayne and I are the two counselors, and our friend Mike as well. So we have three teams, and we do all sorts of crazy activities around Chicago, I think unlike most camps. Um, some of the kids are going to talk about the activities we've done. But um, it involves a lot of guts, I'd say. So it's a confidence builder, chance to be creative, chance to have a lot of fun and bond with each other. Well, from the, from the short talk that you and I had, it sounds like it's like an experiential learning camp. You have the kids going out and doing, challenging themselves. Uh, yeah, they really are. They really have to step out of their comfort zone. They have to maybe be a little bit bolder than they are usually in their everyday life. And um, no fear. Of course, they do it with politeness and courtesy, but, um, but they also stretch the limits a little bit. Well, well, speaking of no fear, I, I guess we have uh, three kids, Tess, Patrick, and Maddie, who, um, who are going to come on the show. Uh, they're good for this, eh? Yes, they, um, they are here with me, and they're going to talk about activity we did on Monday and one we did yesterday, and then one that we're doing today. Well, why don't we, why don't we just jump right into it? Um, I okay. think Tess was the first guest. All right, here she is. Hello. Hi, Tess. How are you doing? My name's Jim Hedger. Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm excellent. Welcome to the alternative on WebmasterRadio.fm. You're at the underground camp, and um, you were going to talk about an activity that uh, that y'all did on Monday. Is that correct? Yes. What were we you doing? Did, uh, we did this paperclip uh, activity. This one man took a paperclip and he kept trading until he got a house, and so we kind of wanted to base it off of that. And so we, my group, took a paperclip, and we traded that for a Bloomingdale's bag, and then a bar of chocolate, and then a disposable camera, and then a Blockbuster DVD, and then a W hotel bag, and three broken digital cameras, and then we eventually got a bike. Okay, so let me, let me, let me get this straight. This is, um, you were following the adventures of the, the fellow who did one red paperclip. And if yeah. anyone out there is interested in, in, in finding out more about him, it's onerepaperclip.com. Yeah. Um, and, he, and you just approached complete strangers. You have a uh-huh. paperclip in your hand. And you're like, hey, can I trade you for your Bloomingdale's bag? Yes. And w- what are their reactions? Like, w- what do people say to you when you do this? A lot of people said no. We got definitely more no's than yeses. But when they said no, you just kind of had to walk away and go try someone else. So, did it take a, did it take a lot of courage to approach them? Yeah, it did. It was fun though. Once you started talking to them, what was the best reaction you got from people? Um. Well, this one lady at Starbucks, we were trying to get like a free latte or something, and <laughs> she didn't really get what we were doing, and she was like. Here in America, we use American currency to buy lattes, and we were just like, okay, like, what's wrong with you? And so we just kind of walked out of there, but that was probably the best reaction. Uh, what was the one that, aside from, aside from the, it's good to know what money's for. I'm, 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 I'm glad you're learning something in these activities. <laughs> how, did, how was it for the other kids? Um, were, they, were they having fun? 
yeah, a lot of the kids had a lot of fun. Some of them were um, a little shy, but we definitely got them out of their comfort zone. So, well, how was it for you? Did you did you do you, do you feel better about? Do you feel more confident? Do you do you feel like you could tackle something else? Yeah, well, I did this last year, so I kind of already had a feel for it. But yeah, definitely. Well, um, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid we just have to motor through with, uh, with the, the, the other guests. We only have about 10 minutes in this segment. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Um, I, I, I think Patrick's standing beside you? Yes, he is. Oh, here he is. Thank you. Hello? Hi, Patrick. How are you doing? My name's Jim. You're on webmasterradio.fm. And um, what is it you, want, you were going to tell us about? Well, uh, we were in another group, and we did the same activity. Oh, yeah? So, again, we started with a paperclip, and we traded people. So we traded, we got, we traded for gum, then we got ear, we went to a hotel, and we got earplugs, and we got a poncho, and then we traded that for an iPod case. And the iPod case was really hard to trade with someone because, A, it was for a specific type of iPod that didn't seem like many people had, and B... It was just hard to find the right people to trade with, since a lot of people didn't want it. So we kind of went along with the pity factor, and we were able to trade for some soap. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, then we traded them the soap, which was like some pear-shaped soap, for these nice steel shish kebab sticks. (laughs) Okay. And then we got a baby T-shirt, which we thought was going to be really hard to trade with, but... People liked it, apparently, and we were able to trade for a $27 candle. Okay, a 27 that must have been one fancy candle. It really was. Okay. Then, after the candle, we traded people, we, we went to a store, and we traded them for uh, $40 shoes. Okay. <laughs> and then, after that, we got um, a really w- cool deal where we got two T-shirts and three sunglasses, which, are, which were in the lost and found. Uh-huh. And, um... In the end, we ended up with uh, $79 pants. So you went from paperclip to pants. And how long did this take? Um, probably around six hours. Six hours. Well, there you have it, folks. I mean, this is, this is more than the kindness, of, the kindness and goodness of strangers. Um, you can actually barter your way from a paperclip to a $79 pair of pants or a $40 pair of shoes, a $27 candle. How did you feel about doing this, this activity, Patrick? It's really fun. It's just interesting all the reactions you get because some people are like, no. And then some people are like, some people are like you know, I'd like to do this, but I don't know if my manager would be okay with it. I don't know. I, I'd have to call corporate or something like you know. So the reactions of some people are just like, no way, no. When, when you approached them, how many people had heard of the one red paperclip experiment? Ooh, maybe, maybe about like 7%. Real, that that few, just very few. It's, it wasn't a big thing. Did they get it when you explained it to them? Sometimes it would take a while. Like I, so we, um, some people knew of the whole thing, so then they just caught on right away. Other people we had to explain, explain, and we explained that we were trying to go up in value. So sometimes we'd say bigger, and then they'd bring out like a cardboard box, and it would be like, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't really. I know it's bigger than forty dollars shoes, but yeah, yeah, it's not quite not worth quite as much. Yeah. <laughs> 
What I'm, I'm, I know the listeners are going to be curious, and I'm really curious. What ended, What happened to the bike and to the pants? What happened to the bike and the pants? Well, um, so far they are resting in a classroom. We're prob- the camp is probably planning on collecting all of them and selling them on eBay at the end of the camp. Excellent. That is excellent. Now, how did you get involved with this camp? Uh, there was another camp, uh, Parker Discovery Camp, and um, Underground formed during it, I think, and I was at Parker Discovery Camp, and it would be the eighth grader. So usually eighth graders w- wouldn't come, but mm-hmm. then they started coming so that they could do Underground, which was a version of Discovery. Now, I, I, I don't want to... Uh, uh take away from any other camp experiences you've had, but the underground sounds like uh, that sounds like an incredible experience. Is, is this the best summer camp you've been to? One of the best, definitely. That, it, it sounds great. Um, Patrick, as, as I said to Tess, we, have to, we only have to about 10 minutes in this segment, so we just got to roll through. Um, thank you so much for being on The Alternative and taking the time to, to speak with us today. Um, I believe uh, Maddie is beside you. Hello? Hi, Maddie. My name's Jim. Welcome to The Alternative on webmasterradio.fm. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm, I'm so happy that you guys were able to come on the show. This is um, the, the stories that Tess and Patrick told were were great. I I can't believe that you guys are out there doing this, and and, and this is a, like a summer camp activity. I think this is just the coolest thing. Yeah, it's really cool. You're going to tell me about a scavenger hunt, and actually, this is a scavenger hunt that I actually I met you guys on, right? Yeah. What was so, that all about? We um, started out by going down to um, Children's Field. We got a list of about 80 things that we could do. And we started out by going down to Soldier Field to try and get onto the field. And we got on. It took a long time to get down there. Yeah. And once we got down there, um, they were like, no way. There's no way that we're letting you on the field. And they were just not budging. So we couldn't. Um, um, there was just no way. So we left. And we got on this trolley, and um, um, we started calling, like, Oprah and different radio stations. And then we turned around, and um, there's you. And um, we scheduled an interview on the trolley, and it was a really cool way to start the day. And well, then, especially after being discouraged at Soldier Field. I can't they wouldn't let you on the field, but why not? Because they're so high strung about their football field, I don't know. But um, it was um, it was not a good way to start today. The day. Oh, Jesus, it's not like the Bears are using it. What? It's not like the Bears are using it very well. Oh uh, yeah, I know, but no one else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so. What else did you do after after you met me? I, I remember I got off at Union Station because I had to go down to uh, to to Navy Pier. But what did you guys do after that? Well, we went down to Union Station too, and we um, um, we met. Uh, we were looking for um, people to do make a human pyramid with us. <laughs> okay. So we met this group of kids from Iowa, and they were like a team, and they did so many things for us. They were so helpful. They did a human pyramid with us. They um, did the bunny hop with us. They. Um, <laughs> And they did one more thing. I can't remember what. But, um, oh, London Bridge. They played London Bridge with us. And, and you're doing this in the middle of the, in the, middle of the sidewalk, or the middle of one, of the, one of the many squares here in Chicago. Yes. What are the yeah. people around? How are the people around you reacting? Um, people were staring. A lot of people were really, like, staring. A lot of people were just walking by and ignoring us. 
Um, we've had a lot of strange reactions. Like two days ago, Patrick and I, we were on the bus, and we were trying to get someone to trade with us. And we're like, hey, how you doing? And she just ignored us. Like we were sitting right by her on the bus, and she didn't say anything. So we've gotten some really rude responses, and we've gotten some really friendly responses. So after Union Station, we um, went out to lunch, and then we got um, we went to a Chinese restaurant and got people to um, let us take a picture of us cooking in their kitchen. <laughs> okay. And um, then we started hitting up the hotels. So we started out with the Ritz-Carlton, and one of the challenges to get a picture in the Ritz-Carlton, and um, we were going from floor to floor, and... Um, we could not get in, and we asked uh, someone who was doing room service and a maid, and they're like, we can't let you get in. You're going to have to talk to security. So then we lost Patrick in the Ritz-Carlton, and so we had to, like, we went down to the lobby, and then we found him, and then we had to go back up. But as we were getting in the elevator, the head of security, um, like, in a big black power suit was like, um, um, was like, do you guys have a room here? And Patrick's like, yeah, we're staying with my family. And he's like, you're all staying in the same room. And we're like, no, we're just going to meet them. And it was pretty scary, but we got past them um, by lying. And um, then we um, – so we got some soap from the Ritz-Carlton, which was um, um, one of the challenges. We get four soaps from four different hotels. <laughs> Okay. Well, some so, some head of security is going to be in a little bit of trouble tomorrow, I think. Yeah. And so oh, then well. we went to different hotels. We actually got a picture in a room in a Hyatt. Um, and so we had to steal the soap. And um, we got all these different soaps. We went to the John Hancock and took a picture at the top. And then we went to McDonald's and walked through a drive-thru and got every single different kind of Happy Meal toy. Oh, my goodness. So how do you feel stepping, stepping out in public and doing these crazy things? Um, well, I mean, it depends. Like, you have, to, um, you have to be outgoing, and you have to read people's moods. Like, so if someone's, like, stomping down the street with a scowl on their face, it's probably not going to ask them if they want. It's probably not a good time to ask them if they want an iPod case. Um, but... Um, a lot of people were really friendly, and um, but it, it basically um, it came down to our attitudes, which everyone is really into it, and um, everyone's really you know like excited to do this because it's um, it's like you can only do it for two. There's only two summers you can do it, so you have to make the best out of it. Well, it uh, it sounds like like the coolest summer camp ever, and. Um I I I don't know you kids, but I am really proud of you guys for for stepping out of your comfort zones and for for challenging yourselves and for taking these risks. Um, I, I I'm blown away by 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 what Jeff and uh, the other counselors there have set up. Yeah, it's really great. So today we're going to continue our scavenger hunt, and we're going down to Millennium Park, and we're um, gonna. Try and get everyone, like, everyone at the bean to, like, hold hands and make a circle around the bean and sing the national anthem. <laughs> right on. Yeah, and then we're also going to um, Comiskey Park and trying to get on the field. And last, yesterday, someone did get on the field, another group, so we think we'll be able to do it. Oh, well, Maddie, um, I, I, I'd, I'd like to thank you so much for being on The Alternative on WebmasterRadio.fm and for taking the time to talk to us. Um, is... Um, before we go, is uh, I, I'd like to talk to Jeff one more time. Sure. Hello. 
Hi, Jeff. Dude, that, those stories are great. I, how did you get the idea to get these kids doing this sort of stuff? Well, Dwayne is a teacher at Parker, too, and I've had a lot of years of camp experience. So this was this grew out of, I think as Patrick was saying, we ran a camp for fourth graders to ninth graders, and we're having trouble with the older kids because they didn't want to be around the nine-year-olds. So we kind of created this camp within a camp approach and um, and just kind of put it out there as a gutsy kind of way to spend your summer. And once a few kids did it, it caught on. Dwayne is a very magnetic personality, and he got a lot of kids into it, and then it just picked up steam. And, well, um it's been working. Well, Jeff, I'm so glad that I, I saw you guys on the trolley and that I was uh, that you, that I was able to do this favor for you, and and vice versa that that um, you and your your kids were able to do this favor for for us on the radio. Um, yeah. Great content is always hard to find, and this was great content. Thank you. Um, could you just give the listeners the 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 name of the the camp and the program again? Um, and if next year, if anyone in the Chicago area wants to be involved, how, how would they do that? It is called the Underground Camp. It's through the Francis Parker School, which is in Lincoln Park, Chicago. So you could always call the school, 773-797-5200, and tell them you're interested in the Discovery Camp, and they'll send you to the right, to the right people. Well, Jeff, thank you very much for, uh, for arranging the kids to be on The Alternative here on webmasterradio.fm. Thank you very much for, for taking the time to be on. And, folks, um, that has to be the coolest camp experience ever. We're going to be going to break. We're going to be back in a few moments with another another great segment here on The Alternative on webmasterradio.fm, sponsored by ISCDN, ISCDN.org. Thanks for listening. The Alternative on webmasterradio.fm. We'll be back after this short commercial break. Are your ads managing you? Tired of click fraud and little or no ROI on your pay-per-click search ads? Take control. Reduce your costs and gain valuable traffic with effective flat fee featured listings on over 245 search engines and web directories from the ISEDN.org, the independent search engine and directory network. Now free yourself from click fraud, bidding, and hassles with low-cost top 10 exposure for less than $4 a month from ISEDN. So visit ISEDN.org today and discover how easy it is maximizing your company's online revenue stream with affordable search engine and directory flat fee ads from the ISEDN.org. Know how to get the best return on your advertising dollar? Clicksore.com. Yeah, ever since we began marketing with more precise content, target technology from Clicksore.com, we've seen a huge jump in visitors converting to buyers for just over one-third of a cent per view. To get over 300 categories, unlimited keywords and ad placement on over 100,000 sites, click on Clicksore.com today. That's Clicksore.com. Your bottom line will thank you. Clicksore.com. Delivers where it matters for you. And now, transport back into the alternative on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host, Jim Hedger. Welcome back to the alternative on webmasterradio.fm. We're sponsored by the ISCDN.org. And, uh, you know, we got, we, got, we, got a, we got an interesting treat right now. Richard Zwicky, um, CEO of Inquisit.com, is on the line. And, uh, Richard, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Well, we, we've had you on before, and it was, I remember having a great conversation. And if I remember correctly, we left that conversation off because we, we just ran out of time. And while I would love to grill you about Inquisit, I think you're here to talk about a different product today, a, different, a new product Inquisit has coming out, um, PPC Assurance? 
That's correct, Jim. You know, um, Enquisit, we launched the uh, beta of the software uh, last year, and we've had a you know phenomenal response rate. And uh, one of the big things for us during the whole period was to put up to offer customers a uh, you know a software as a service product, which gave them some insights they couldn't get elsewhere from any uh, existing analytics tools. And so we built a search analytics report which went a lot deeper. And then we listened to what our customers were asking for, the people who were using Inquisit. And there was a lot of questions around uh, PPC and a lot of people who have uh, problems where, you know, they they read the articles out there, like, uh, you know, Business Week quoting high numbers around click fraud, and they get um, uh, click uh, forensic or click fraud counsel with, you know, if your bid's over $2, 20% of it's going to be fraudulent. And they try and reconcile what they're getting for billing, and they know they go to Google or Yahoo or MSN or any of the other providers, and they buy advertising, and they do geo-targeting because they know, okay, there's problems, let's say, with clicks coming out of Nigeria. And so they make sure that their clicks aren't, their ads shouldn't be displayed in Nigeria. They only want U.S.-based customers or Canadian customers or U.K. customers, wherever it is. They're yeah, they're specifically saying, they want. I want a customer from um, from Chicago. I want a customer from Los Angeles or from London. You want a customer who's going to convert. Yeah. You're not paying for a PPC ad just to have a visitor come to your site. You want a customer. And, you know, so they do geotargeting. They do day parting because they know their customers are only shopping during certain, certain times of the day, and they add a lot of different parameters of what they want, you know, certain site exclusions. They want to be on certain networks or not on certain networks. And essentially they're paying for that. You know, they're paying for it by the amounts they bid, and they pay for it, and they agree to it in their terms and contracts. You display the ads uh, to the – they say to the search network, display the ads to my terms and, the terms and conditions we've agreed to, and I'll pay you. But – what they don't have right now and what they haven't had until now is the ability to actually audit that, to verify that the ads were being displayed properly. So there's click fraud reporting software out there, which is, you know, um, there's a lot of different ones, click tracks and stuff like that, that are really solid. But they're looking at the visitor came to my website and based on their behavior and the pattern, we believe it's fraudulent. What they're not getting, though, is the ability to audit and verify did the campaign actually deliver me customers according to the terms and conditions I agreed to? And that's incredibly important because Google gives them a report. Let's see, I'm using Google as the example here because it's probably the one that's most familiar to most advertisers. Sure. But you get a report back at the end of uh, each day which tells you you had so many valid clicks and so many invalid clicks and you paid this much. But you don't know what a valid click is what an, or what an invalid click is. And you look in your log files and you look in your transactions and you see paid clicks coming from China. And you say, well, wait a second. How does it work out? So PPC Assurance is built around demystifying all of that. It verifies that your campaign executed properly according to your terms and conditions. It lets you see very simply using like red, yellow, and green what's going on. Green is valid. Google said they built you this much, and you can see those clicks. Yellow is clicks which you, uh, you got didn't match the terms and conditions of your agreement, but you didn't pay for them because there was a certain number of invalid clicks, and they matched up. So okay, all so of a so sudden Google you have an idea of what's going on. That. That you didn't get burned for them as the advertiser. 
Exactly. So you actually have confidence and you can, you know, if you're running a campaign for a company or you're an in-house uh, SEM managing the campaign for your company and your boss asks you what's going on, they've just read the latest article, here you can load up um, a report which is simple, you know, it's simple colors and it's very graphical. It shows you your volumes. It shows you everything you need to know and you can see, hey, our campaign's good. What happens? But when there's a problem, comes up red. See it also. Pardon me. What happens if stuff comes up red? So if stuff comes up red, what it means is um, those are clicks which exceeded the amount of invalid clicks and didn't match the terms and conditions of the agreement. So we've built into the uh, reporting suite um, a feature which is basically designed around the uh, Google's claim process and it'll auto-populate the entire claim for the customer and file it. Now, one of the, one of the constant complaints that uh, advertisers have with, with Google AdWords and, and with the other, the other PPC networks is they aren't able to, well, I guess, quantify the billing. They don't get to see the IP addresses. They rarely get to see the exact time that the clicks came through. Um, there's, there's a great deal of information that the, 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 the advertisers themselves, um, well, they, they, they just don't have. Are you able to fill some of those gaps? Yes. In fact, we, we structured it, uh, the uh, software, the uh, reporting suite, all around filling those gaps. So there's actually three tabs, or there's four tabs to the report. The first tab is your search intelligence report, which is your basic inquisite report. And then there's what we call a fidelity report. And it reports how faithfully did your campaign execute your campaign parameters. And it uses the simple high-level graphing. It shows you when you had a problem, and it breaks down campaign by campaign for you what's going on. So you can click and see all the different levels. Once you're into that level, you can flip to what we call the resolution reports, which is how do you resolve the problem. And that provides you campaign by campaign um, data on what click came through, from what IP, where that IP is located, um, the time that it occurred, and all other information that's relevant. So if it was a search-related ad, what keywords were used to trigger the ad, what network did it appear on, what page did it go to in your site, and so on and so forth. Um, If it's content-related, we'll tell you which site on the content network and we keep going from there. So you've got actually a detailed audit of what's going on, and we provide all that information back to you uh, in a format which is easy to understand and intelligible. And then when you need to file a claim with uh, one of your advertising providers, you move on to the refund or uh, claim process tab, and what it does is there's basically a button, and it prepares up according to your parameters the claims on a campaign-by-campaign basis, and it populates the claim form the way the advertising provider wants. So it will provide them either all of the clickstream information that came from the campaign for the period reporting or just the problem. So the advertising uh, network can take a look at these are the problems. So they can actually have all of the IPs, the times, and they know where to look. They're not guessing about what are you referring to. Because that's one of the worst things in the, in the process right now is it takes so much time for an advertiser to put together that report. It takes, I mean, I met one last week who told me he has four staff full-time every month just working on culling through their data so they can monitor their campaigns execute properly and file claims for when they didn't. you got to be kidding. I, I, how much does that cost? I mean, seriously, that's, that's an 
huge hidden cost to the advertising. It's a huge hidden cost, and you know it's one which most uh, most companies don't even recognize or realize they're engaging because they're asking for their marketing staff, they're asking their search marketing staff for reports as to what happened, and they don't realize how much time it takes to create that report and how ineffective it makes the uh, search marketing person to be spending their time culling through the information for their report as opposed to improving the campaign. I, I, I caught your speech in Seattle at the um, at Surgeons and Strategies Travel. Um, that was last Thursday, I think. Um, yeah. what, what kind of feedback did you get from the audience there? We had um, you know, phenomenal uh, feedback, actually. We had uh, a number of uh, travel consolidators and hotel chains come up, uh, want more information, ask for follow-up, and uh, you know, had a couple of co- clients already add uh, to our system, um, basically having seen uh, the presentation, asked for a quick demo, and moved forward from there. And actually, we had not just that, but then I guess the uh, next day, uh, Todd Friesen from Range uh, was talking about uh, on, uh, how to improve uh, search positioning and mentioned how extensively he uses Enquisite and uh, all of the reporting and uh, had even more follow-up out of that again. So it was nothing but a uh, positive experience all around. Well, that's, I'm glad. Now, was, uh, just to, to stick on SES for a second, um, that was a much smaller conference. It was the first of the travel verticals. Um, was it worth it for, for, for Inquisit and PPC Assurance to be there? It was worth it. You know, uh, what's very nice about the, it was one of the first pure vertical conferences. Um, and the advantage of that, even though it was a much smaller crowd, was that um, it was incredibly focused and the individuals who, who were there were buying. They were there for a reason. They needed help. They needed assistance. They needed to find solutions and services to improve their business. They weren't there. Um, you know, when you go to SCS San Jose, it's all the agencies, it's all the optimizers are going to learn and a few customers. And those few customers, everybody's jumping on them. It's terrible. You go to New York, it's almost, you know, it's a different situation. But you go to SCS Travel and all the presentations are focused around one theme and one idea. So there's a continuity in what's going from one session to the next, which you don't get when you're basically speaking to a very general, broad audience, a horizontal conference. Mm-hmm. Um, so incredibly worthwhile. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. I've been, uh, I guess, all of us in the industry have been hearing the uh, the rumors of SES's demise, and they appear to be those rumors appear to be greatly exaggerated. I think so. I think there's lots of room for uh, more than one series of conferences out there. And, uh, you know, there's a market for SES, and just like there's a market for SMX, and they can fill, they fill different needs uh, in many ways for the industry. Now, if we, could, uh, if we could jump back to PPC Assurance for a moment, um, two things you said um, earlier in the, in the interview. Um, you were talking about day parting, and you were talking about geotargeting. Um, and you, from, from, what I, from what I heard you saying, you're finding inaccuracies in Google's record-keeping uh, around both. Um, what level of inaccuracies are you finding? And to the best of your opinion, I, I know you can't speak for Google or their system, but why are they happening? Well, you know, the levels of inaccuracies vary greatly um, from, some, from campaign to campaign. And we've seen that, um, interestingly enough, a professionally managed campaign um, 
is less problematic more often than a um, campaign that's run by um, somebody who's less professional. And by professional, what I mean, I don't mean to reflect how, you know, what I'm trying to refer to is there's there's a lot of individuals who start SEO campaigns or SEM campaigns and operate in isolation. Um, There's others who run campaigns and run agencies which are specialists in PPC, and what we've noticed is the ones that are run by the agencies who are focused around uh, PPC tend to have, for whatever reason, um, problems less often than the campaigns which are run uh, one-off or are not managed by somebody who's spending all their time focused purely on PPC. And that's, um, you know, probably using the term professional is the wrong term in that circumstance. So I apologize if uh, I offended anybody in that because that's not the intention. It's more a question of where your focus is. Somebody who is focused completely on the PPC uh, part tends to, have, for whatever reason, have better success at keeping down the, the issues. But they still run into them, but they run into them less often. Um, a campaign which is just looking at day parting, I've seen some which are running, uh, you know, 20%, 25% on certain days, the uh, geotargeting doesn't work. And on certain days, it doesn't work. Yes, and it's very random. It's not uh, a fixed piece, um, and you can't cycle it in terms of it's always happening seven days apart or 14 days apart. It's nothing like that. It just seems to go off the rails at random. And... You know, Google, any of the advertisers, is dealing with a phenomenal amount of data. They're trying to process, um, you know, tens of thousands of queries per second. And they're trying to serve ads across many times that because they don't just have to process the search queries, but they have to display the advertising across hundreds, well, hundreds of millions of web pages around the world that have the display ads on. So they have to make decisions on the fly about what and how and where. And the system probably, there's points at which it can't keep up. And so they have to use, their algorithms kick in and use a best estimate of where uh, the traffic is coming from for that particular instance. We're looking at a, a smaller subset, obviously. We don't have to track everybody. We have to track the ones that are our clients. And so when we do the lookups, obviously we're not lo- having to look up millions of queries uh, in every few minutes, we can look up hundreds of thousands. Now, we can deal with that very easily and effectively without running over a threshold. So our level of accuracy is able to be greater because we never have to take uh, a leap of faith. We never have to make a guess. We're able to actually look every single transaction up. So, so, so your estimate in, in Google's issues is really it's a scalability problem. They 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 simply don't have the infrastructure to deal with the success of uh, of the AdWords of the AdWords program. You know, I think that's probably true of any of any of the networks just because of the volume they're they're dealing with. It's um, you know there's a certain point where at, during any day the volumes peak and spike and you know go probably over the thresholds they've allowed for built for. And when those occur, you know, instead of, let's say, looking up an IP address to the 12 digits, they have to scale back and look to six. And they make a guess of where those are. Now, you know, that's a hypothetical guess, but that would be a kind of what would happen. So for a certain period, they know that, 
you know what, 99% of this block is in the U.S., and they assume that the last six digits are in the U.S., but that 1% could be the one that's off. But seriously, I mean, like Britain and Albania share the first two, the first two, uh, the A and B class of, of IPs, if, if I remember correctly. Uh, that's very true. Oh, that's 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 but very I'm wide not saying variance that's in exactly uh, how they do it, Jim. Yeah, but I'm not saying that's exactly how I do it. I'm using that as an example. Oh, I see. Okay, right. okay, good. Okay, cool. Um, I'm just saying, you know, how you can run into scalability issues. That's where you run into them. Now, when you look at the at the records that you've generated um, with, with with your clients and uh, with people who are participating in in, in various beta tests, um, mm-hmm. what sense do you get of uh, um, a the accuracy of Google and of of, of Yahoo and, and MSN and all the networks? And b do you see active improvements happening? So. Um... No, we see some campaigns within accounts which are phenomenally accurate and other campaigns where they get, for whatever reason, they get plagued with inaccuracies for periods. So what's nice about that in in a way, I mean, it's disturbing to see inaccuracies, but what's nice is when you can see one campaign executing faithfully and another campaign of similar volumes, same day, having lots of problems because you're all of a sudden eliminating the fact that it could be the web server that's down or it could be the infrastructure provider who's not sending you the traffic. Now you know the problem is somewhere on the advertising network end. So what's nice about that is being able to see that things work and things don't work. So from that perspective, um, it's very good. And what's also, you know, you asked about do, you, do I see things improving? Yes, I see a constant, you know, Google's constantly speaking about their desire to improve and how they're working to improve and to cut back on click fraud. And I believe them. You know, I see the general accuracy of so many of the campaigns, and you can see that, you know, that doesn't happen at random. It happens because of hard work. And... They're looking for ways to improve their systems on an ongoing basis, but one of the things they don't have to date is the feedback. And our process is all about helping them get that feedback so that the advertiser wins because they get a more accurate, better uh, billing, and they actually pay for what they agreed to in the terms and conditions. But also Google gets, and Yahoo and MSN and every other network gets to improve because they can all of a sudden see where the problems are, and drill into them. Now, I'm a, I'm a part of the Click Quality Council, um, the, uh, a group that's uh, been spearheaded by um, Tom Cuthbert in Click Forensics. And, yep. and one of the things the council's been calling for is a reasonable, accurate, independent third-party system. Do you think you're those guys? I think so. What do the uh, uh, what do the networks think? Have you had a chance to speak with Microsoft or um, with uh, Yahoo or with with Google about this? Well, we have a couple of calls scheduled, and I did have one conversation with one of the engines. I'm not at liberty to say which one yet. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we've had uh, basically um, three of the four. We've had some level of conversation with, and one we've had a full demo, and um, we're basically looking at uh, moving forward uh, solidly with the one we've spoken to. Uh, we have very positive reception. 
and uh, they saw the value in having an independent verification service and like the uh, perspective that it's not about fraud, it's about verifying the, act, the purity of the traffic and helping everybody identify the issues and deal with them. Because, you know, to settle disputes, you need accurate information. And if you don't have a simple audit process that everybody can look at and get the accurate information, nobody will ever get to the bottom of the problem. And that's what we're all about. It's basically, you know, from what I've seen, you can probably trust, you know, that the engines are trying very hard to solve all the problems. But you need to verify what's going on and make know when you've got problems because they don't happen every day. They happen at random. Things go off the rails, and you need to know when and how to deal with it. If um, if anybody out there wanted to learn more about PPC Assurance or get, get directly involved with, with PPC Assurance or running it on their sites or their client sites, how do they go about that? So um, they can go to ppcassurance.enquisit.com, and it is uh, the page. The, the site is live, but we haven't uh, taken it through to any announcements or launches yet, but any of your listeners are welcome to start coming, taking a look. There's a couple of white papers they can download, and they can put their name in for a subscription uh, for the service, which will be opening up uh, next week. Okay, so it's uh, ppcassurant.inquisit.com. Correct. Richard, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know it's still early in the morning on the West Coast. I'm, I'm here in, uh, in the Midwest in Chicago. Um, Everyone at AdTech says hi. Um, thank you, you very so much. much for being on the alternative today. Uh, best of luck with VPC Assurance, and um, I guess I'll probably talk to you when I'm back in Victoria. Thanks, Jim. Have a good trip home. Thank you so much. Um, there you have it, folks. That was Richard Zwicky from Inquisit.com, um, the proprietor of uh, the new PPC Assurance. Go check it out, ppcassurance.inquisit.com. And I'm looking down at my watch, and it appears that... Uh, We've somehow gone through a full hour again. I'm at Ad Tech in Chicago. It's a marvelous show. It's like it's dreadfully hot in this city. You can you can, you can it feels like you're breathing molten lead as you're walking down the street. But it's a beautiful town. It's a great show. Um, it's a wonderful lead up to SES San Jose in a couple weeks down in uh, in the valley. And I hope to see people down there. Uh, we're going to be back on WebmasterRadio.fm with the alternative. We're again sponsored by the ISEDN.org. We'll be back next week with another really interesting show. Hopefully, I'll be able to pull some guests from the ad tech floor. And uh, we got a great, there's a great Webmaster Radio show coming up right after this one. So, folks, please stay tuned.